several years ago, this was back uh, when, when my daughter Grace Ann was just starting college, and uh, we, we have a dog named Clementine. If you've been to our house, you've, you've met our ferocious Clementine. She's the worst watchdog in the world. She, she's scared of her, her, of her own shadow, and at the time, uh, she was a year old. And so at a year, she was, she's a boxer. So at a year, she was big enough to look like a dog, uh, but still young enough to think like a puppy. And so we were in Birmingham uh, visiting my daughter at school. And uh, it was the day that we were going to go home, head, head back this way. And my wife was getting ready. And so I knew I, I had time to go, you know, shopping, play eight, play 18 holes of golf, what, you know, whatever. So I, I decided I would, I would go, just a couple of miles away, there was a coffee shop, and I would go to the coffee shop and just grab a cup of coffee. And so I took Clementine with me. So uh, I get to this coffee shop, and I realize, yeah, I can't, you know, I'm not at home. This is not my turf. I can't really take this dog inside the coffee shop. And uh, so I decide that I will tie her leash to a chair. And, and I'll go in and get my coffee, and then I'll come back, and, you know, and she'll, of course, be just behaving herself. And so I tie the leash to a chair. And it's on a concrete patio out in front of the coffee shop. And then I start to walk towards the door. And when I do, she tries to follow me. And when she does, she drags the chair. And it makes this horrible sound as it drags across metal legs on the concrete. And Clementine thinks that the chair is chasing her. And so she takes off, and she's running and dragging this chair behind her. And you can see her, she's looking back, and the chair is gaining on her. You know, she, and she's running so fast, and this chair is just right behind her, and she can't shake it. And then she gets out in the parking lot, and there are cars everywhere, and she's running between cars, and I'm just going, oh, gosh. And I've got my calculator in my head, and I'm thinking, you know, how much is this going to cost me? And she runs through a row of cars, and she even turns and goes through another row of cars, and all of that, she never, never hit a car. The chair never hit a car, and she finally turns her one last corner, and she hits it just right. And the leash comes off the chair, and the chair sits up perfectly between two cars, and she keeps running, and eventually we get her back. So anyway, here's, here's, the, here's the point of that story. There's no point of this. No. Here, 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 here's the point of the story. Uh, as we were worshiping today, and I... Uh, I really haven't thought about that story in years, and, and we were worshiping today, and I was standing back there in the back, and, and I felt like the Lord just said to me, there are people here who are running from things that are not real. They're running from things. They think these things are chasing them, and they're really not. Uh, it's because they've believed a lie. 
They've believed something that the enemy has said, and, and, and it's caused them to run. Now, I, you know, at this point, the temptation for every preacher is to start listing for you all the things that it could be, and I'm just not going to do that. Uh, I'm going to let the Holy Spirit and you figure that out. But, but I do believe that there are uh, some people here today who are running, and you need, to, you need to stop, and you need to stop looking over your shoulder because the thing that's behind you is not real. Okay? All right. Let's pray, and then we'll figure out what's next. Jesus, thank you for today, and uh, just thank you for the chance to be here and opportunity uh, to spend time with your people. Uh, thank you for worship. Thank you for the way that, that you move in worship. I thank you for encounter. And I pray, um, Holy Spirit, that you would have your way throughout the rest of this, this time together. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I, I, I do have a couple of things I want to share today. I don't, I don't have a lot. Um, we live in a, in a day and, and, and a time where, uh, in our world, and in, in particular in the West, uh, the church is, is looked at, and, and even Christianity itself is looked at as, as arrogant and exclusive. Uh, arrogant and exclusive. And, and it's, it's easy on the surface to understand uh, where people come to that conclusion when you consider uh, the mindset uh, of people today, uh, they've, they've decided, uh, and, and this is in particularly true of Western culture, we've decided that tolerance is the greatest virtue that we can have. And so if, if tolerance is the greatest virtue that we can have, then it kind of pushes truth to the side. Because rather than having a value for absolute truth, which oftentimes in our culture is considered to be arrogant, we have a value for everyone's opinion. And, and that's really what they believe when they say that tolerance is, is the main thing and the most important virtue. They believe that we should value everyone's opinion. And the Bible talks about that. And the Bible actually says uh, that there, was a, there were times when uh, people did what was right. It's, uh, in Judges 17, it says, everyone did what was right to them. And then Proverbs 16 says, there is a way that seems right, but the end, in the end, it brings death. And so we have this idea that's being perpetuated uh, in our culture that absolute truth is either arrogant or ignorant. And, and then you add to that that there are some things actually in Scripture that, that might sound like on the surface that Christianity uh, is exclusive. Uh, Jesus said in John 14, 6, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And then in Acts chapter 4, verse 12, he says, uh, Paul writes, salvation is found, or actually Luke writes, salvation is found in no one else for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. That sounds kind of exclusive, right? And then 1 Timothy chapter 2, Paul writes, For there is one God, one mediator between God and mankind, uh, the man Christ Jesus. So on, on a surface level, 
you could make a case for Christianity being exclusive. Um, but when you look at the whole of Scripture, when you look at the whole of Scripture and you seek to understand the story of God, you see that Christianity is actually the most welcoming and most inclusive of all faiths. It's the most welcoming and most inclusive of all faiths. John 3.16 says, God loved the world so much that he gave his only son and that whoever believes, whoever believes. In John chapter 7, verse 37, it says, whoever is thirsty, let him come and drink. Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 says, all who are weary. John eleven twenty five, 25, Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me will have life. So the story of God is, is really what it's about. It's, it's not just taking, you know, one verse or, or two verses and building a whole case, but but understanding from the whole of Scripture the story of God. And the story of God goes something like this. God created everything. He created it all. Uh, he created everything that is. Uh, before God, there was nothing. It was just God. Before creation, it was just God. And God created everything that is. And he created it in this incredible way. The way that God created things was he, he spoke it. He spoke creation into being. He said birds, and then there were birds. He said sky, and there was sky. And he said man, and he created us in his image. And we're the crown. We're the crown of creation. He created us. He created all of creation. Every, everything was created for God, and in particular, humanity. In particular, he created us for himself. Not because he was looking for a slave, not for, because he was looking for someone to use, because he was looking for someone to love. And he created us for the purpose of love, to give himself unreservedly and completely to us. So creation, everything created by God, everything created by speaking, and then God creates man and, and creates woman, and he puts, us, he puts them in a garden, and he says... You know, you can live here, and you can abide here, and you can have the time of your life here, and I will come, and I will spend time with you, and I will walk with you, and we will talk, we will have a conversation, we'll spend time together. Here's one thing not to do. This tree right here. Don't eat from that tree. And so they eat from that tree. And here's what I want you to understand about the fall of man. The fall of man is only possible because of the love of God. Think about it. If he didn't want lovers, he would have created us without the ability to think, without the ability to choose, without the ability to choose for or against. He would have just created robots. Servants or slaves. But he wanted sons and daughters. And so he gave us, out of his love for us, 
and out of his desire to love us and have us love him, he gave us the ability to choose, and that resulted in the fall. And so man chose for himself rather than for God, and his selfishness caused all of creation to fall. And that's the other thing we need to understand about the fall is that everything fell. All of creation was affected by the sin of humanity. And the Bible actually says that the whole of creation is groaning and waiting and anticipating redemption. The return of Jesus won't just be for us. The return of Jesus, believe it or not, will make the grass greener and the flowers, the colors of the flowers brighter. Everything. It will change everything. And it's because of justice and it's because of holiness that the fall of man results in separation from God. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. And so when we sinned, when we chose against God, we died. And the Bible also says that we were once dead in our trespasses. We were dead in our sins. So the story of God is creation, fall, separation, And then the fourth thing that's a part of the story of God is redemption. Redemption. The death of Christ and the resurrection of Christ begins the process of redemption. And everything is becoming new. Everything is becoming new and it will all be culminated in the return of Christ when he makes everything perfect again. I heard it said, and I I can't say it any better than this. Uh, I heard it on Friday from David Eldridge at a funeral. He said it this way. Christianity is not a faith that makes bad people good or good people better. Christianity is a faith that makes dead people alive again. It makes dead people alive. So... The bottom line is this, apart from Jesus, we are lost. We can't save ourselves. We are dead in sin, helpless. But if we believe in Jesus, the one God, sent for us to die, raised again on the third day, if we believe in him, we can live. I'm lost. I can't save myself. I believe you died for me. I surrender my life to you. It's the only requirement. The only requirement for salvation is faith. To put your faith in the Son. If you do this, his promise to you is that he will be with you forever he will never leave you he will never forsake you that is his promise I believe that there are people here in this room today who need to say yes to him I believe that there are some people here who have never said yes to him and I want to caution you I want you to stop and I want you to just 
allow the Lord to speak to you because I believe that there are people in this room who think they've said yes, who really haven't. And, and God's call to you today is to really say yes. I, I lived for 18 years under the delusion and illusion that I had said yes and, and realized that as a freshman in college that I had not. Some of you need to say yes to Jesus for the first time. Some of you just need to say yes to Jesus again because you've said it, but maybe you've forgotten it. Some of you need to say yes to Jesus about specific things in specific situations. And, and as I prayed for today, one thing in particular that I felt like the Lord wanted to say today is that there are some of you in this room who have... In, in, specifically in the area of marriage you've given up and you feel hopeless and you're like I was you're in a place where it's so messed up you know you can't fix it you may even realize like I did that you're you're the reason it's so messed up and God wants you today to say yes to him because he can he can fix it if you give it to him. And so I just believe that there are a bunch of us today that need to say yes to him. And so here, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to invite our teams to come, and they're going to get into place. And then y'all go ahead and start coming while, I, while I'm talking. If you're on the ministry team, just go ahead and get in place. I, I am... Um, any, any of y'all have... Play, are y'all playlist people? Do y'all do playlists? Yeah, I'm not a playlist person. I'm a song person. I lock into one song. <laughs> I, I just do. I lock into one song, and, that, and I play that song. I kind of put it on repeat, and I play that song over and over and over and over and over again. And, uh, and so I, uh, Endless Hallelujah, Corey Asbury has been my song for the last year. And I've just listened to it and listened to it and listened to it. And then about a month ago, I got a new song. And uh, it just rocks. Every time I listen to it, it rocks my world. And so it's the only song I've listened to for the last month, over, over, over again. And so I'm going to play this song, and I'm going to let you listen to it. I want you to, to really hear this song. Now, I'm not saying you can't come. You, you, you come when God tells you to come and, and be prayed for, but, but don't leave until you hear this song, Okay. Hear me? You with me? Okay. Nolan, we good? All right. Do you feel the world is broken? Do you feel the shadows deepen? But do you know that all the dark won't stop light from getting through? Is the glory of 